Jesus a shout. Praise in this place. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We praise you this day. You may be seated. You know, it's great to have ministries come into this house to feed into our church and into our lives. People that love this house. And uh, Steve loves this house. Um, it's been a privilege just yesterday just to spend time with Steve. And um, just, we were talking, you know, it's been probably two years over the last two years that Steve's been coming down. And I know that um, like when we, when we announce when he's coming, there's a, there's a great amen uh, like there was last week and the weeks before. It's just a privilege for us to, to have this man. So let's open our hearts. You know, Steve is passionate about the local church. He's passionate about our lives, equipping us and helping us discover what Jesus wants us to do. So this morning, just open your eyes, uh, open your hearts, give, give your attention, give your attention to God's Word and, and really zone every distraction out. And I believe the Holy Spirit is going to speak to us as Steve ministers. Let's show Steve our appreciation and welcome him this morning. Fantastic. Thank you. This is my Welsh home. It really is. I feel great affinity with the church here, and I think it's because Newport is in many ways like Bradford, my home city, and um, you're just ordinary people. That's what I love. Authentic, real, ordinary people who will love God, trying to change the world, trying to make a difference, and that's, that's the salt of the earth. That is the light of the world. I've been following your journey, because I keep in touch with Dave, and uh, sort of watch you a little bit on, the, on social media and kind of uh, look at the website occasionally. So I know you've been doing a series around the transformed life. And uh, I, I'm praying that what I've got to share with you will help you on that journey. But also I was just listening with interest to what Dave said about joy and lightness and smile. Because I think what I've got to share with you will also help that too. So I think we're kind of in the flow, Dave. Um, just before I open the word, I've done something a little bit different this time. Uh, in chatting to the guys before I arrived, uh, they agreed to let me bring some resources down. Some of you may know, but I love to write. It's one of my passions. It's one of the things that God seems to have given me an ability to do quite well. So over the years, I've churned out a number of books and resources for people. So I've brought down my books. I've also got a whole table load of, of CD messages, which basically... Um, you know, CDs are a dying media, aren't they? You know, everything will be becoming MP3 central. And I've got boxes of CD messages uh, that I, I need to get out there. I hate seeing books and CDs and stuff on shelves. They need to be in people's players. You know, books need to be read. I'd rather have them out there than stuck on shelves. So um, I, they agreed to let me bring some down. And at the table at the back, there's... There's massively discounted books and CDs there. The CDs are only a quid, and you can have a free CD if you buy a book. The books are discounted as well, quite considerably. Um, just to say something very briefly, there's, there's a set of four little ones, which I call abundant life skills. For this simple reason, I worked out 
Getting saved is the easy bit, isn't it? You know, you come to Jesus and you, yeah, and you start. But then you've got to start the business of learning how to live the Christian life. And I realized you need some skills. You need some spiritual life skills. So these little Bible studies were designed for that purpose. There's one in around what God has to say about our money and financial matters. There's one to do with the Bible called bringing the Bible to life. Because you're never going to live a great Christian life unless you read your Bible. And that will help you understand it better. There's one around the mind. Because we've got to have a skill of controlling our mind. And taking thoughts captive. And dealing with things in our head. Because it's a massive area in our lives. And the fourth one is about peace. Everybody wants peace. But it's elusive. Even for some Christians it seems to be elusive. So a little, little one... Those are small group studies, personal studies. They take you through the scripture and they're cheapest chips. The proper books, if you like, uh, there's one called Building Church, which for me is my, I guess it's my life message, really, um, which is the bright orange one. <clears throat> uh, there's, the one I wrote after that is called Wisdom Wins, which is basically making the point that you don't want to just live life. You want to make a wise life. And finding the path of godly wisdom for your life is kind of what it's all about. And you will never do that until you find wisdom. But most people are looking for the wrong thing. They come to pastors, leaders, books and say, I need a bit of wisdom for a situation. You don't need a maxim or a formula. You need a person. The one who is wisdom. So that book takes you to Jesus and then unpacks some themes from the scripture that I think are the pillars of wisdom. And lastly... Love this one. It's called Rooting Out Relationship Killers. This is a book to enrich relationships. As a pastor, you spend half your life helping people sort out their relationships with God or with each other. And I realized we, we could do less of this if we all just committed to have healthy relationships in the first place. So that's not a book for people with dysfunctional relationships. It's for people who are okay but want to keep it okay. So it makes the point that relationships are like soil. And you want the relationships to grow healthy and strong plants. And the, one of the things that gets in the way are little weeds. And you have to spot them early, weed them out, so they don't choke the thriving relationships that God wants you to have. Be it marriage, family, work, mates, right across the board. So they're there. I pray they bless you. Help yourself or ignore them. Entirely up to you. Adverts are over. Thank God for that. Okay, I want to talk to you this morning about a subject which I want to show you a little clip just to set this up, okay? So just watch the screen and bear in mind, this guy is a Christian. Thanks. The first few steps in and there was no looking back or down. Nick Wallander had decided to take in the Grand Canyon in a way that no other tourist possibly could. 1,500 feet up, on a wire just two inches thick, and with no harness, there wasn't much he could do but hang on and pray. Lord, help this cable to calm down. Command it in your name, Jesus, with the authority of God. Praise you. Praise you. Nick, in many ways, is simply keeping up the family business. Seven generations of his relatives have taken on stunts like this, part of the Flying Wallander Circus. Definitely a whip in that cable. Yeah, I can see it. 
I can see it, but you're still uh, handling it fine. But not all of those stunts have been as risky as this. Battling 30 mile an hour winds and huge amounts of dust. Thank you, Jesus. Despite all that, after 22 minutes, he managed to run that final few feet. You'd have to be a Christian to do that, wouldn't you? I mean, you'd have to know that you're eternally secure before you do something as daft <laughs> as walking across the Grand Canyon on a rope. Nick Wallander, he's... Um, a godly man. If you watch the full uh, program, it's a Discovery Channel program. Uh, before he goes on the rope, his pastor's there praying with him and all that. Yeah, I bet he was. <laughs> I played that to make this point. I want to talk to you today about balance. He was balanced. And here he is on one of his other walks. This is a picture of him actually going over the Niagara Falls. He's quite famous for doing these bonkers stunts with his, you know, on the tightrope. I don't know about you, but it seems to me the Christian life can sometimes feel like walking the tightrope. It can feel like, you know, whoa, all these things to navigate, and I've just got to sort of keep, keep on the rope somehow, and, and competing forces sometimes conspire to, to, to make me get a little bit unsettled, and the last thing I want to do is fall off, you know, and I want to get to the other side, and I want to be a success for Jesus. Let me explain what I mean by just reading a scripture to you. Galatians chapter 6 says this, verse 1. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves or you may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. And in, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they're not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. In the space of five verses, you're encouraged to carry each other's burdens. And, hang on, each one should carry their own load. Well, which is it? Do I carry my own load? Or do I carry somebody else's burdens? Is that a contradiction? No, it's a balance. Because in the full context, it's saying, look, those of you who are spiritual, spiritual people, those who live by the Spirit, because they are carrying their own load well, it allows them and releases them to help others carry theirs. But until you're carrying your own load well, you can't help anybody else because you'll be preoccupied with your own. It's that kind of principle. So I want to explore how we get the balance right in carrying the various things that Jesus wants us to carry. Now, I guess there's lots of things I could have suggested that we're supposed to carry, but there's three I want to zoom in on. The first is simply this. You carry, believe it or not, God. You carry God. He is in you by his Holy Spirit. When you become a Christian, he come and dwells in you, and you become the representative of God in your community. If people want to find God, now where is Jesus? Hello. You shake hands with them. He's in you. 
Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. He, 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 God sort of dwells with us as people. And one of the responsibilities we have as believers is to live a life that represents Jesus. If I live a life that doesn't represent him, it's his name that gets tarnished. It's his reputation that gets dragged down. And you, you've all been there. You've maybe heard it said of Christians, ah, oh, they're all hypocrites. Why do people say that? Because they, they kind of work out. Christians are supposed to live at this level, but you're living at this level. And they say, well, yeah, it doesn't really work out, does it? And we're conscious of all that. And we want to make sure we carry God's life well, don't we? We want to get it right. You know, in the Old Testament, men literally carried the representation of God. Back in the tabernacle days, in the temple days, <clears throat> the Ark of the Covenant, which was a gold-covered box with sort of some uh, ornate things on the top of it, was the physical representation of God in the midst of his people Israel. And every time they moved camp, they had to carry God. You know, they had to take God with them. But they quite strict rules. You can read about it in Numbers chapter 7. Most of the stuff could go on carts and be pulled. But the most holy furnishings and the Ark of the Covenant in particular had to be carried by the priests. So they stuck poles through rings in the side of it and they kind of got it on the shoulder. So some of the Levites, the priests, were literally carrying God from this point to the next place where they were camping. Well, imagine if it was your turn. What a privilege, what an honor to be carrying God. You're going to watch your step. You don't want to be the guy who drops God, do you? <laughs> it's kind of, that's not cool. You, you want to carry him with dignity and all the rest of it. Why can, I think it's a little bit the same as that for us today. We have the Holy Spirit within us, and therefore we have to care, be careful how we walk. Uh, when you're carrying something that you believe is weighty, it changes your posture, changes the way you actually step. If I got someone up here and gave them a heavy weight, they would be like, Whoa. yeah, they're changing the way they walk because of the weight they're carrying. When you feel the responsibility of carrying God's life, Changes the way you walk. Makes you make different choices. Makes you think about what you say before you say it. Makes you consider relationships you're getting into. Makes you one think about how I'm going to spend my money or not spend my money. Whether I'm going to put something in the offering or not. Or kind of life takes on a different focus because I'm carrying God's life. Now we carry him in our heart. We carry him in our mind. We carry him in our soul, his will. It's all pervasive and it's a big subject, but you get my point. First and foremost, we carry God. But then there's another thing you carry. Me. I carry me. You carry you. And I am flipping heavy sometimes. <laughs> In the scripture we read, it says each should carry their own load. And I don't know about you, but I'm very conscious of my, my life. You know, I'm conscious of my past, mistakes I've made, things I could have done better, things I wish I hadn't done. And sometimes the weight of just your stuff weighs on you a bit. But then there's present day responsibilities, the stuff that's keeping you awake at night right now, concerns you have about people and things and places. And it's kind of like, yeah, I'm concerned about my life. And then you think forward 
Yeah, what am I going to be doing in three years' time? And, and what about this? And what about that? We have concerns about us. And we're carrying that. And the truth is, I've got to understand myself. I have to come to peace about the fact that Jesus has dealt with my past. That he is with me in the present. And he does know the future. But without him, it's quite difficult carrying me. So the sense in which if I can get the God bit right, it's going to help me with the me bit. These things sort of flow together. If I'm totally occupied in just carrying me, God doesn't get a look in. And you would look at my life and say, oh yeah, that Steve guy, he's, he's quite self-centered. He's just, you know, it's all about him. He's just sort of weighed down by his sort of burdens. But I want people to look at me and see, here's a guy who's working his stuff through with dignity and honoring God in the process. See, we're all a work in progress. All of us are being fixed. All of us are trying to get better. But the truth is you can't get better. You won't stay on that rope of living a great Christian life unless you're carrying God well because you need his help to live your life and carry your load. Now, if you've got issues, resolve them. If you're, if you're stubborn or dogmatic, mellow down. Be teachable. Let the Holy Spirit lead you into truth. Let people around you help you get closure on things that have dominated your life or issues that have made you angry for years. You know, remove obstacles to your growth. Work on yourself as best you can. It's a load you have to carry. Remember one time Jesus said to his disciples, he said, if you want to follow me, then you've got to take up your cross. Take up your cross. And Jesus is referring to the fact, of course, that he was going to literally carry his own cross, the thing that would kill him, the instrument of his torture. And the truth is, we've got to, we've got to take up the things that could kill us. Bad attitudes, anger, short temper, um, historic grudges and attitudes. You've got to take them up and take them to the cross before they kill you, so you can live that light, purposeful life that'll put a smile on your face. So I, I've got to get good at carrying God, carrying me, but then of course there's maybe what's the heaviest thing of a lot, others. Others. Our scripture said, bear one another's burdens. People are heavy. People are heavy. If you love people, if you, if you care for people, they become heavy. You pray for them, you, you love them, you want to help them, you want to you see their situation changed, and it keeps you awake at night, you find yourself praying, you find yourself investing life in helping others. And depending on how you're wired, some of us, it can take our lives over. Our lives are consumed in carrying others, and we forget. There's also our own stuff we've to carry, and there's the life of God we've got to carry. And keeping those things in a healthy balance is actually the only way we're going to get through this journey of the Christian life in health and with strength. Now, ultimately, 
All the people I'm helping, I can't carry their burdens for them. I've got to take them to the one who can carry their burdens for them. We have to take people to the ultimate burden bearer, to Jesus himself. Now, I can do my bit and encourage them. I can pray for them. I can disciple people. I can weep with them when they're crying. I can rejoice with them when they're happy. But ultimately, carrying people is one of the weights, one of the burdens we've got to navigate in this Christian life. Of course, there's a positive side to it. It's brilliant when you help someone. You help them navigate a burden and you see them change and find freedom. It's like, yes, come on. But there's a downside to it as well. When you invest your life in helping others, some of their burden can get on you. I can remember going through seasons in my life as a pastor, feeling a little bit like a spiritual rubbish skip. You know, people come and talk to you as a pastor and say, Pastor, splurge. You know, all this is going wrong and I've got this problem I'm concerned about that. And they tip it all on you and think, thank you, Pastor. And off they go, and you're left with all this stuff. And you kind of got to get, I realize that unless I get good at deflecting this straight to God, I'm, I'm going to be carrying the world's sorrows on my shoulder. <laughs> so I've got to get good at carrying other people's stuff. So the question I want us to think through in the time we have is how do we balance carrying God's life, ourselves, and others? in a way which really glorifies God and extends his kingdom, builds his church, fulfills his purpose. Because unless we get the balance right, those competing loads can destabilize us. I think a key text for this morning is Matthew 11, verse 28. I'll read you the text. It says this. Jesus says, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What I want to say to you this morning is simply this. When the balance is right, the burden is light. When the balance is right, the burden is light. Because the implication of what Jesus says is, if you will only carry what I give you to carry, and in the way I ask you to carry it, my yoke's easy, and my burden's light. And that will put a smile on your face. It'll put a smile on your face because you're not, you're not burdened with inappropriate things. You're not dragged down by your own dysfunction or, or an overwhelming sense of responsibility for others that's inappropriate or feeling you're not quite doing God's job for him. No, when you carry the right stuff God's way, his yoke is easy. His burden is light. And at the end of the day, when the balance is fixed, the burden becomes lighter. Now think for a minute, if what you carry is all God, and you're preoccupied with just God, and you don't work on yourself or carry anything for anyone else, you become a spiritual weirdo. You become kind of just one of these text-quoting machines, a little bit dysfunctional, a bit detached from others, 
You've got obvious personal dysfunction you're not dealing with, and you're probably socially inept. Because it's all God, 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 God. But if it's all you, you just become selfish. And it's just all about you. If it's all others, it'll just kill you. Because carrying other people's stuff for them will just make you fall off the rope. <laughs> We've got to get this balance right. To live the light life. To live a life that puts a smile on your face. And which makes others think, man, you're, you're navigating some stuff. But you're smiling. What's that all about? And you can take them to the one who's put the smile on your face. The one who's helping you work on your stuff. The one whose life you're carrying with some, some, some dignity. And the one whose life is helping you help others. How can we do it? Well, I want to give you three practical things about how we can do it. Before we do that, let me just make a distinction for you. What I've realized over the years is there's a massive distinction between two words in terms of things we carry. And it's the difference between a concern. You know, I'm concerned about the state of the world. I'm concerned about my family. I'm concerned about my kids. I'm concerned about the bank interest rate. I'm concerned about, 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 about. And the other word is responsibilities. I have a responsibility to. If you get those words muddled up, you'll get this thing all wrong. You see, a, a concern is a valid concern that you might have about yourself or other people or the world about you or the things of God. But you've got to ask yourself, is it my responsibility to fix if it's your responsibility, the test of that is that someone's going to hold you accountable for it. If it's a genuine responsibility, somebody is going to fight. Hey, have you done it? And we know that the way we live our Christian life, ultimately, we're going to have to give account to Jesus for the way we're living it. As a husband, I've got to give account to my wife. <laughs> you know, as, a, as, a, as an employee, you've got to give account to your boss. We have responsibilities, genuine ones, but then we have concerns. I'm convinced Christians get this so muddled up sometimes. They, they make things which are concerns they have a responsibility that they feel I've got to fix. And they invest physical, emotional, and spiritual energy trying to fix something that they can never fix. And they have burnout. They break down. They get disappointed. Instead of learning, no, there's a difference here. Some concerns are valid to have, but I've got to process them in a certain way and not make it my personal responsibility to have to fix. Just took that away as, as we go forward. How do you balance carrying God's life, yourself, and others? Three things. The first is simply this. You've got to pray. You have got to pray. These words are appearing on the rope because that's what we're walking on. You've got to pray. Prayer keeps us God-centered, doesn't it? We have to pray without ceasing. We have to pray about everything. We have to have this continual conversation with God. And that's particularly true for the burdens you carry that are these concerns. I am concerned about issues in the world. I can't personally fix it, but I can pray about it. And I can, by praying about it, release it to God. 
and get it into an appropriate place in my soul. I think the vast majority of concerns you have, you're probably powerless to fix. But what you've got to do is pray about them. It keeps you in balance. We must pray without ceasing. Our worrying won't fix them. The decisions required to change some of those situations are not yours to make. Oh, a few of us were talking last night about our children. You know, when you're a parent, you make decisions for your kids. Yay, complete control. I'm the man. But then they become adults and they make their own adult decisions without necessarily consulting you as a dad. And you can't switch your parent button off. So I'm still concerned, but I can't fix it anymore. Because now they're making their own adult decisions. And sometimes they make great ones and sometimes they make not so great ones, you know. And it's, and it's tricky. So I, you learn. I can't fix it anymore. It's not my responsibility, but I've got to pray. So I've got to pray for my kids. I've got to pray for my grandkids. I, I see people in church and I think, oh, their marriage is in tatters. And I, I, I can, can I help? Can I help? Can I help? Well, yeah, I can give them some wisdom, maybe some advice. But ultimately, unless they want to fix it, they make the right choices, they get the help they need. So I can only, there's a lot of prayer involved. You do what you can practically, but ultimately, you have to pray it through. 1 Peter 5, 7 in the New Living Translation says this, Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. Philippians 4, 6, same translation says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he's done. And then you'll experience God's peace that exceeds anything you can understand. When you get burdened with a concern that is maybe destabilizing you or bogging you down, making this Christian walk heavier than you feel it should be, pray. Pray. The throne of God is the first place we have to go to with those concerns. Pray, give it to him, and allow that peace he promises to come and keep your heart in the right place. So we have to pray to get this balance right. Second thing we've got to get good at to keep this balance right is learning how to prioritize. You've got to prioritize stuff. <clears throat> as I mentioned, some of the loads we bear are responsibilities. I will have to give account for whether I've done them or not to someone. And I've therefore got to prioritize those things, haven't I? That's kind of logical. Um, so I've got to know what those things are, and I have to have the right priority value on them. The truth is, you make daily choices about which of your responsibilities to prioritize. And sometimes we don't quite get it right. We get them muddled up a little bit. So, you know, I've got to look after myself. I've got work responsibilities. I've got family responsibilities. I've got the responsibility to do what God's telling me to do right now. <sighs> which do I prioritize? Well, think of it this way. I reckon 85%-ish of all your genuine responsibilities could be done by someone else. So, you know, I've got a responsibility 
to take the kids to school. Yeah, but if I can't do it, somebody else can. I've got a responsibility to feed my family. <laughs> uh, if I can't, somebody else can. Um, I've got a responsibility to go to work and do my job. But if I can't make it, somebody else can. Um, I've got a responsibility to come to church and to serve on the team. But if I can't, somebody else can. So it, it is a responsibility, but if push comes to shove, somebody could probably cover me. So it's still a responsibility, but I would say not of the highest priority value. So about 85%. Then maybe there's another 10% of things that it would be tricky, but with training, others could do. So you might think, well, I'm an expert in my work, or I'm the only one of a certain ministry in our church, so I'm irreplaceable, and I've, I am responsible. Now, with, don't get too full of yourself. <laughs> the truth is, um, with some training, it might be difficult, but with some training, it would probably work. But as you start thinking through your genuine responsibilities, you eventually get to about the top 5%-ish, which only you can do. And if you don't do them, they won't get done. And if you don't do them, it will actually affect the rest of your life. It becomes quite serious. It becomes important. If those are the kind of highest value priorities you've got to have. Completely my, completely my responsibility. And I thought, when I was began to first think all this issue of balance through, I thought to myself, well, yeah, there's some stuff that if I don't do it, it ain't going to get done, and it'll damage my life. I need a list. Because this is serious. This is important stuff. What are those highest priority value things that I need to make sure stay at the top of the pile and make sure that I've got to get them right as I make priorities to live this great life for Jesus? It must be deep. It must be meaningful. Jesus, what are they? So I sat down to make a list. And this is what I wrote down. Number one, having a healthy, growing relationship with God. Nobody else can do that for me. I thought, well, that sounds a bit easy-peasy, really. It sounds a bit simple. But it's true. Nobody can have my relationship with God except me. Nobody can pray but me. Nobody can read my Bible but me. Nobody can get myself to church but me. It's my responsibility. Now, what priority do I place on that? Hmm. Next thing I wrote down was looking after myself physically. I am responsible for the food I put in my mouth, for the miles I ride on my bike. <laughs> Here he is. <laughs> now, for the exercise I do or don't do, for you know how it goes. In terms of physical well-being, fitness, diet, exercise, I am responsible. And if I don't do it, it won't get done, and it will affect me for the rest of my life. And I thought, yeah, but I'm more than a body. The third thing I wrote down was, I am responsible for maintaining a healthy and creative soul. You know, your inner world, your mind, your will, your emotions, I've got to keep that healthy. And my soul is kept healthy by listening to certain kinds of music, 
by walking in the countryside, by climbing a mountain, by reading certain books, by walking in the woods with my dog, does my soul good. You just, you know, you go out on a day like today, no doubt, and the blossoms out and the blue sky and you get on the beach and you, it's like you go, yes, does your soul good. But you're the only person that can do it. So are we going to put some priority on it? It's so easy to say, well, I haven't got time for that, Steve, because I've got all these concerns and all these burdens that are carrying me. I've got to do this. Unless you look after your soul, it will affect you for the rest of your life. It's spirit, soul, it's body. Then I wrote a fourth one. Having a healthy relationship with my wife and family. I'm the only one that can do it. It's it's no good me whinging about dysfunction between me and my kids or me and my wife. I've got to be on it. I've got to recognize the priority of that and be making choices to keep it where it should be. And then eventually I got to... I've got to have a God-pleasing ministry. I've got to do what God's asked me to do. If we, sometimes I over-spiritualize my life and I think, God first, God first, God first. Yes, we know it's God first. So I must be doing the ministry first. And then God has to slap me and say, no, Steve. In your heart, it's me first. But that doesn't mean you put the people of God before me or you put them before your family There are things which you have to carry your responsibilities and get your priorities right. And if it's God, family, church, you'll be all right. There have been periods in my life where I've had that wrong way around. I've tried to keep it God, but then it's become God, church, family. Then family starts to suffer. Like, yeah, I'm concerned about my family. Dear, you know, what am I going to do about this? And God's saying, I'm powerless to do anything. You're making the choices. Make it right. Now, ultimately, we're not going to be held accountable for how much we've done, but for how much we've done of what God asked us to do. I think if we give all responsibilities the same priority value, we're in a real, we're in a real muddle. You know how it is when you go to the ice cream stall? You know, these gelato ones where there's about 59 flavors. And you go and you go, I need an ice cream. And you stood there for 10 minutes thinking, oh, yeah, I like that. I like banoffee, yeah. And I like mulberry and I like cranberry. Oh, yeah, and I like vanilla. Oh, and I like, oh, choc chip. (gasps) So, you know, sourdough and cookie dough. and Because they all have the same value, essentially. So it's hard to choose. It's like when you're getting dressed to go out, you open your wardrobe and you think, hmm, which shirt shall we put on? Green, blue, red, yellow. Which shirt shall I put on? Quite difficult to choose because they all have the same value. But if one of them had a, a much higher value than the others, it'd be easy to choose. You know, if I was offering jobs out and I say, hey, I've got some jobs going in my company and you need a job, you'd say, oh, I'm interested, Steve. I'd say, well, I've got a job here and it's, uh, it's £10 an hour and it's, it's just this. I've got another one here and it's £100 an hour and it's this is this. It's like, no brainer. I'll have the £100 an hour job, please. Because it's got a higher value. We've got to put higher priority value on those 5% things. The things that only you can do. That God ultimately is going to hold you accountable for. And probably others in this time-space world are holding you accountable for in the meantime as well. 
If your responsibility to cook the dinner has the same priority value as you spending your time with God, cooking dinner, time with God. The smell of onions always wins. It does. The minute you put that onion on, it's like, oh, yes. The minute you stick the bacon on the grill, it's like, yes. You know, it does, doesn't it? And if your time with God and making dinner have got equal value, well, you've, you've got, you're in trouble. You've got to say no. Higher value is always on God first, God first, God first. I need to protect that time with him. I need to be close with him. You know, if you're, if you're church team rotor, you know, I'm on the host team and I'm on this Sunday, yeah. Ah, but then you have a problem with your spouse. Serious problem. And you know you really need to get some time and work some stuff through. And it's like, hmm, time with spouse, serve on team. Serve on team will always win. <laughs> because we're conflict averse. And we, we, most of us don't want to get into the fight. So it's, oh, I'm, I've got to go to church, love. I'm on the on team today. No, stop it. Higher priorities got to be placed on your primary relationships. You and your husband, you and your wife. Somebody else can cover you in church this week. That's all right. And we appreciate the fact that you're fixing your primary responsibility, primary relationships. So you get my point. Navigating this Christian life, getting the balance right, means we have to learn to pray. We have to make great priorities. Lastly, we've got to practice. We've got to practice. Nick Bolender, he must have done a lot of practice before he did that bonkers thing. You know, he must have started on a rope that was six inches off the floor. That's what you would do, isn't it? And gradually got higher and higher and longer and longer. Before you know it, he's across the Grand Canyon on this three-inch thick rope thing. What was the practice for? The practice is to make sure that he was balanced in the face of an unexpected event. I don't know whether you picked it up on the speak in the background, but they were talking about whipping the rope. And they were talking about the, the gusts of wind. Well, when you're going through life, life sometimes conspires to just sort of wobble your rope. Like a gust of wind comes, and it's like, whoa, didn't see that coming. And it can destabilize you, unless you're practicing. The practices of the Christian life, what we call spiritual disciplines, the things that we know about how we should live the Christian life, I've got to be the normal things of our Christian life so that when the unexpected happens, it keeps us stable. There's a story told of, um, he's a Polish concert pianist called Paderewski. And in the war, the government decided to sort of keep the population happy and entertained at one level. <clears throat> they would employ him to do some public subscription concerts. And they apparently approached him and said, we'd like you to do these concerts and he was doing it for a number of days, and each day was about a five-hour performance. I think there were two performances, something like that. And he said to them, okay, I'll do that <coughs> five hours, but you pay me for eight. And they said, well, why do we pay you for eight? It's because I need to do scales for three. So I need to practice before I perform. And there was some debate around, we're not paying you for eight if you're only going to do five. And he said... I'm not going to do it. I can't do it then. I must practice. Because he said this, 
If I skip one day of scales, I notice it. If I skip, skip two days of scales, my coach notices it. If I skip three days of scales, the world, the audience will begin to notice it. So I've got to be doing the practice. I mean, what do scales do? If you do instruments, any of you will know. Well, the practice, the scales, all it does is keep the dexterity in your fingers. It just has you ready for when you turn the page of music, there's a complicated bit. And I think it's the same for us in life. As we navigate this spiritual life, a situation crops up. A tragedy happens. A loved one gets sick. Um, we lose our job. There's a financial issue. Stuff comes at us. There's an economic issue. Uh, somebody leaves the church that's been your friend for years. It's like suddenly you're, you've got all these things going on. What keeps you on the rope are your practices. That you have faithfully been reading your Bible so the word is actually in you before you need it. In that moment, now you need a word. Well, it's no good going to the word then. It's got to be in you. You've got to be talking to God. You've got to have a life of prayer before you need to talk to God. You know what I mean? Before you need to make the specific request. It's just got to be part of your life. Read the word. I'm in prayer. You've got to be living a righteous life before that's tested. Now, if you're making living a righteous life, say as a business person, you know, you're not doing any dodgy deals on the side, you're not fiddling the books, you're not tempted to do all that stuff, you're just doing it right. When somebody does come along and say, hey, let's do the deal, you're just going to say, no, because you're already practicing righteousness. But if you're not practicing righteousness and the dodgy deal comes, there's a good chance you might be tempted to fall off the rope. You know, morally, you, if you're, you know, I'm going to be faithful to my wife. I'm not going to be playing around. I'm not going to be doing anything immoral that I shouldn't do. If that is your normal practice, when the temptation comes and somebody gives you the come on, you're going to close it down fast because it's your practice. But if you're not living right or you're living too near the edge, when the temptation comes, it can knock you off the rope. You know, being in church is a practice. Being in small group, being in the house of God, being with God's people. It keeps you in the spiritual community before you need a spiritual community. Because when something's happening in life, suddenly you cry out for, I need people to pray for me. I need support. I need help. Well, it's the practice. You're in it. And the moment you need it, it's there. Precious, isn't it? And it keeps you stable. keeps you on the rope. And just like Paderewski said, I think... Now, if I skip one day of spiritual disciplines, I know. If I skip two, those closer to me will know. If I skip three or four or five, eventually the world will know. Because I'll not be walking that life that God wants me to life, that has that healthy balance between carrying his life, carrying my own stuff, and carrying people. Now, these three things, God yourself and others are the three things that Jesus commanded us to love he said love the Lord your God with all your heart soul mind and strength and your neighbor as yourself we have to love all three we have to hold them in this wonderful tension this wonderful balance and when we get the balance right the burden's light 
There's a skip in your step. There's a smile on your face. There's a way of living the Christian life that people go, yeah, I'll come with you to church on Sunday. Yeah, I'll come when you want to go for a round of golf or, you know, I'll have a coffee with you because there's something about your life. People are looking for balance. They're looking for wholeness. They're looking for what we've got. And our responsibility is to keep it in that healthy tension. By pray, pray, pray. Make priorities. Put right priority value on those things that only you can do and practice the disciplines of a God-centered life. And it'll equip you to live a great Christian life that not only makes your life lighter, it makes your light shine brighter. Amen? Let's just pray. Let's pray together. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are concerned for us, that you pray for us, that you want us to see as living this Christian life at a wonderfully light, thriving, wholesome level. Lord, in this moment of reflection, we just give to you in this moment all the concerns that weigh us down. The stuff in the back of our mind, the people that we're concerned about, things in the world we're concerned about, future plans we're concerned about. Lord, we get a hold of them and we give them to you. We say, thank you, God, that you know, that you're in charge, that you're watching, that you're caring. Lord, we assure you that where we do have a responsibility, we will do our best. We'll do our best to let your light shine through us and carry your life. We'll do our best to work our own stuff through. And we'll do our best to help our fellow man. But Lord, deliver us from carrying inappropriate things. Help us to learn to give to you every moment of every day that which only you can fix. Jesus, help us to have the smile of heaven not only over our lives, but on our face. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Absolutely wonderful. Wasn't that amazing? What Steve said. But you know, I was just thinking, you know, what Steve said was was profound. And I love how Steve can take things and, and teachers are amazing at doing this. How Steve can take something so complex so complex and make it so simple and so practical. But for me, you know, just listening to Steve, it wasn't just what he said, but it was how he said it. How he said it. And you can see just the heart of the shepherd, the heart of the pastor, the heart of God you know, in, in this man. So thank you, Steve. You know, because, you know, when you're dealing with issues of life that we all face, temptations, tests and challenges, and, you know, we all feel that, that wobble on the tightrope that we're walking in, walking on, and sometimes we, you know, we veer to the left or we veer to the, light, the right. It's easy, you know, to, to come and say, you've got to walk this way and you've got to do this. And, and sometimes, you know, we, we need 
correction. And God does that. God disciplines us. But it's, it was wonderful how Steve just approached areas in our lives this morning that, that we might be challenged with. Temptation is very real. Ish testings that we go through, very real. We're in a very, you know, a, a very powerful world. There's a very powerful world around us with all kinds of images and pulls and we'll leave this place today. And who knows what's in front of us in the week ahead. But I tell you now, just to hear that wisdom from, from Steve about the priorities that we always want to keep at the top and in place in our lives. I think that's, that's great. And I think, you know what? We should, we should um, listen to that message again. It's, it'll be on the, on the podcast, on the website. Just listen to that over this next week and just think about what Steve has given to us today. And maybe, you know, maybe we've got to make that list. Maybe it'd be a good idea for all of us to really think about that list. Maybe, you know, it's our marriage. We need to think about, oh, do you know what? I, I need to address these areas and I need to look at this and I need to, I need to spend more time in this area. Maybe it's, it's in your work. It, it can be lots of things, can't it? But I just think there was, there was great um, teaching there for us and encouragement and not just Steve coming up here and filling a slot. He never does that. He really does speak into the, the fabric of this church. And, and that's what's really enriching. So thank you, Steve. Thank you so much for that word this morning. Fantastic. We're going to give you an opportunity right now just to uh, uh, bless Steve. We're going to bless him. He's blessed us yesterday. And um, we're going to give you an opportunity to give. Um, just ask the Lord. Whether it's, you know, you might be able to give much today into this man. You're giving into his ministry and the work that he does. We're going to bless him as a church. But we're going to give you an opportunity right now. You might be able to give much. You might be able to give little and faithfully do that. And that's absolutely fine. You might not be able to give anything. Absolutely fine too. Absolutely fine too. That's not a problem. But I'm going to pray. Lord, thank you for your people. Thank you for sending Steve to us. And Lord, we thank you every time he comes. And he's coming later this year again to be with us. But every time he comes, Lord, thank you for what he says. But also thank you for the way that he, the way in which he, he says what he says. That there's a heart of compassion, a heart of love, a, an interest and a, and, a, and a want for well-being in our lives. We thank you for that. That he's just not getting up here and just trying to impress. We don't need impressive preachers. We just need people that are loving towards us and interested in us and want to make a difference in our lives. We don't need to be impressed. And I thank you, Lord, for Steve, that, that he's a man after your heart. And because of that, he's a blessing to this house. So, Father... Just pray for your people. That word's gone in this morning, and I pray that it would bring forth much fruit in our lives. Bless us as we give right now. In Jesus' name, amen.